chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, while you're turning, um, I know traditionally in America we celebrate something called Thanksgiving on Thursday, you're aware of that. Um, there are certain holidays that not all countries uh, observe, but I just want to mention that's not part of the message from 1 Corinthians 14 today, but uh, just to keep in mind that we should be thankful every day of every uh, throughout the whole year. Lots of things to be thankful for. I think sometimes when we're going through really hard times, we tend to forget that there's still things to be thankful for. So I thought for just a moment this morning, think about the worst pain that you have ever had, you individually have ever had, and I know some of you have gone through more than others, and be thankful that this morning you're not having that pain. I know some of you are hurting this morning, so I'm not saying that, but just the worst pain you've ever had. For me, it was a kidney stone, and those of you that had that can relate. Uh, those of you, you know, have had serious cramping and other issues that cause such pain, but there's so much to be thankful for. Uh, when loved ones go home to be with the Lord, there's that mourning, that process that we, we miss them, and that never really goes away completely, but be thankful for the time God let you have with them. There's so many things to be thankful for, so just always thinking about that. 1 Corinthians 14, let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning that you give us the opportunity as we gather together as your children to fellowship, to be encouraged from your word, to be comforted, to get the spiritual nourishment that we need. Father, we pray that you would help us to maybe learn something that we haven't seen before, something we didn't understand before, maybe a connection we made in the Word that we hadn't made. And then, Father, reminding us of things you have already taught us. But, Father, we pray that we would get the spiritual food we need that helps us in our Christian lives to say yes to you and no to self. And we have so much to be thankful for, most of all our salvation. Father, we're thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be obedient to death, even the death of the cross, to sacrifice his life so that we, in believing in him, would have now the knowing fact that we will spend our time with him in heaven. So, Father, we pray your will in this service. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. First Corinthians 14. Now I know that's not about the Lord's Supper, so I'll shift gears, Lord willing, in about 25 minutes. Real quick. But about 25 minutes, we'll stop wherever we are, and I'll shift gears so we can cover some verses about the Lord's Supper. Um, I want to point out a couple things that I want us to pay attention to as we go through these verses. The word edifying. It's going to keep coming up. Um, I know that there's some things that are different in the time we're now living, and so uh, this doesn't always exactly apply to the same thing today, but edifying, that's why we come together to build each other up, um, and that should be the purpose of our gathering, to build up in the Word of God. But let's look at verse 1. It says, follow after charity. The Greek word agape, which we saw in chapter 13, is that word for love, 
as you know in the Greek there's three words for love eros phileo and agape um, eros is that special love between a husband and a wife as you know and then phileo is a brotherly love and this is that word agape that unconditional love of God and I want to point out that follow after in the King James doesn't really seem as strong as it is in the Greek. I think of follow after as you get behind somebody and walk behind them. This means it's a little more aggressive. It means pursue. Remember chapter 13 was about this love. Uh, so he said pursue this love. And then he says desire spiritual gifts. Um, now, the spiritual gifts, as we know, in, in the first century, uh, when Paul is writing this, um, there were still all these gifts that we saw in chapter 12, and you see them in the Bible, and, and people had certain gifts that God gave them in that sense. Um, I think it's a little, obviously we know it's different today, but I, God still gives us different abilities. And what he expects from us is to use what he's given us. Um, I remember uh, when I was in college and I knew the Lord at that point had called me to preach, but I originally thought from age 12 on that God called me to do music. And I, I actually told God I would, I'll, I'll, I'll never preach. But I just couldn't imagine how you could get up and have something Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Once I started growing in the word, I realized when could we ever be done? So that's a whole different issue. But by the way, never say never to God. <laughs> You'll find out that was a mistake. I, so God gives us different abilities, but this preacher told me, he said, well, you can't do both. You've got to pick. And if God has given you ability to do more than one thing, then you need to do what he's given you ability. Because when we get to the jump seat of Christ, we're going to answer for what he has given us. We're going to be accountable for whatever he's given us to do. Now, some people think that that can only be stuff that everybody sees, like singing or playing the piano and lots of musicians here, and that's wonderful. But there's other things. You don't have to be a preacher or a piano player or a singer. God can use you in many different ways. Whatever he's given you to do, we just need to make sure we're doing that. So there are, in that sense, those abilities he's given us. But in, in particular, in the first century, there were certain gifts, and he said, desire those. But he's putting the emphasis on pursuing that agape love, that unconditional uh, uh, love of God. Now, in the end of verse 1, it says, but rather that ye may prophesy. Um, if you look at the root of that word, you'll know there's the word prophet. So today we don't actually, a prophet was one who God spoke through. So in the sense of the gift of prophecy, God directly spoke through them. God isn't doing that today. Beware of someone who says that God that they're speaking in that sense. Uh, because we have the word of God. And in sense today, if you're proclaiming what's in the word of God, that is what that is today. But you think of the root word, which we get the word prophet, prophesying. A lot of people think prophecy is only foretelling the future. And we have a lot of that in the word, of course. Uh, but it's proclaiming what God has already prophesied. So he said that's of all the gifts he said most important because he's going to talk about what was tongues and what has been misunderstood today. I want you to jump ahead for just a second. Look, look at verse 22, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. Look to verse 22. Wherefore, tongues, that word is the Greek word glossolela, languages, are for a sign. That's all I want to read there. But come back 
come back to where we are at the beginning, verse 1. For a sign, the reason that's important to know is, you know, God gave, as, as this particular gift was, to speak in a language. M many have misinterpreted because of the word unknown. Uh, the King James translators, look at verse 2. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue. You see, it's italicized if you're looking at the King James. It's italicized, which means the King James translators thought this would help clarify. Um, but it has come to mis some people misinterpreting. The word unknown doesn't mean that it wasn't a language. It's just that the people who were given the gift to speak it, whatever language it was, they didn't study it, they just could speak it. So it was a known language, it wasn't just gibberish. So keep that in mind. It was given for a sign, and we know according to the scripture when you study the, how God deals with first the nation of Israel, and now he's dealing with the church. When the church is raptured out, he'll deal with Israel again, which by the way, um, helps us understand a lot of things that people have confusion about if you get the dispensations right. So here we see, uh, verse 2 then, we, we know that we just looked at for a sign. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. The old English word, howbeit, however, in the spirit he speaks mystery. So that it's like a secret to anyone else. Nobody knows what it is. He's going to talk about what's most important. So we don't have that same thing today. But if you're going to speak in a foreign language and nobody's going to interpret it, it sort of is it's not helpful to anyone. Let's look at verse 3. You'll see that. Paul says, But he that prophesies speaks to men to edification. And so I said, look at that word edifying, or here it is in the case of the noun, edification. The building up. That's what prophesying, if you're proclaim, proclaiming the word of God, teaching God's word, it's to build us up as believers, edification. And exhortation, that's encouragement. We need that too. When we come together, you know, people talk about fellowship, that's like when you have a, a potluck dinner and, you, and we're going to have one of those in a couple of weeks and I love to eat, so that's something I look forward to. But And we call that fellowship and we, we enjoy socially gathering together people of like mind, but true fellowship is when we are being edified and encouraging one another in the word of God, this word exhortation, and the word comfort. Sometimes we need that, to be comforted in God's word. So, that's he's saying is what happens when somebody's proclaiming the word of God. Verse 4, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, that is, it's a language, but they didn't learn it, and the people they're speaking to don't know it, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. In other words, it doesn't benefit anyone else. Edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. That's us as believers. Now I know I'm reading from the King James, and I know it says edifieth and speaketh, and so it's just a modern English. We take the E-T-H and change it to an S. But that's what he's saying. Verse 5. I would, and that's the old English word, we use the word would differently now, W-O-U-L-D. Uh, we would say, I, Paul's saying, I desire, I wish, that's the meaning of, of the word. I would that ye all speak with tongues. Now again, as one of the spiritual gifts, which we don't have existing today, but we could think of it, there is a knack that some people have with languages. You may know some people that are multilingual. I've learned a few words in some foreign language I don't claim to be 
uh, fluent in them. Um, I, I think German is probably, being the second language I learned, I can converse more easily with that. And I can look at Spanish and translate easily, but when somebody's speaking Spanish, I miss a few words here and there. Because I don't know if you know statistically, it's been proven that uh, those who speak the Spanish language speak 25% faster than we speak the English language. So it goes by really quickly. In any case, uh, Paul desires, he says, that you all speak with languages. That you all can do that, but rather that ye prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues. And then this word except, of course, means unless he interpret. I mentioned last time when we were in chapter 12 that when uh, Brother Ken goes to preach, whether it's in Argentina and somebody's translating uh, his English into Spanish so those can hear, or whether um, he's in Africa and it, whether it's Zimbabwe or whatever country and they're translating whether it's Portuguese or another African language. But we know that he says here, unless he interpret, otherwise he says that he, excuse me, that the church may receive edifying. There's that word again. That's what should be emphasized when we come together. Whatever we're doing, it should be to build up. Edifying. Look at verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, or Paul says I'm going to speak some foreign language, what shall I profit you unless I shall speak to you either by revelation, that's something new from the word, uh, by knowledge, that's understanding something new, or by prophesying, or by doctrine, that word means teach, teaching. What is a prophet if I don't do that? So verse 7, and even things without life, he's giving this example now, without life, he means inanimate objects like instruments. Even things without life giving sound, whether pipe, that's the old English word for flute, or a harp, unless they give a distinction of the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? You know, there's a difference when you give the definition of music, and there are some modern composers who don't follow that. Um, you can have just noise. So I don't know if you've heard of the composer John Cage, but he wrote, supposedly composed some music, where um, it's just random sounds. People walk around in the auditorium and randomly, at a certain, they just look at their watch for time, and it might say in five minutes, uh, they're carrying a transistor radio and then switch, the, switch it to a different station. So sometimes it goes to static and different sounds and all that going on at once. That to me is not music. My personal opinion, I don't think that's music. That's just random noises that you have going on in life. But he's saying that they have a distinct sound. Some of you may recognize instruments. If you hear a piano, you say, I know that's a piano. You know what a flute sounds with, a trumpet, all the different possible you say, I know that. They have distinct sounds. Look at verse 8. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound. Now, here he's talking the instance that, for instance, when you look in the Old Testament, and the trumpet sounded, they had different sounds, different, uh, you might say, tunes that they played, that those listening would know what it meant. Uh, for instance, if they were to gather together for battle, that would be one sound. If they were to just gather together for a meeting, an assembly, that would be a different sound. So it would be confusing if the trumpet didn't play the right sound. Um, since I played trumpet through school, uh, when I was in Boy Scouts, I played the bugle. And so we had different things in the morning. 
you know, and at night uh, it was taps. Well, if I were to reverse those, I think people would be confused, right? It's certain sounds. Look at the example he gives in verse nine. Uh, excuse me, verse ten. For if a trumpet, excuse me, eight. For if a trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? In other words, it doesn't give the sound that they're used to listening to. In some cities, they have, if a tornado's coming, to indicate that so everybody hears, they have a special sound that indicates that. Um, you've all, I'm sure, heard on the radio, uh, this is a test of the National Broadcasting System, whatever, and you'll hear, you'll hear a beep and then followed by a warning. Um, the only time that actually was a warning, I was driving in the western part of Alabama from the north and moving south and there were tornadoes moving from Mississippi into Alabama and this said this is an actual emergency so that's a bit scary when you have that but anyway it's certain sounds look at verse 9 so likewise ye unless ye utter by the tongue that is the language words easy to be understood how shall it be known what is spoken so I in chapter 12 when we were going over I said if I say in German, wenn ich auf Deutsch sprechen, du kannst mir nicht verstehen. And uh, obviously, and I told you what that meant, when I speak in German, uh, you can't understand me, unless of course you do speak German and you understand what I said. But if I didn't tell you that, that would just be gibberish. Right, it would be gibberish. Look at the next part of verse nine. How shall it be known what is spoken, for ye shall speak into the air. There's no edifying there. Verse 10. There are, Paul says, it may be, so many kinds of voices. That word always in the scripture can mean the word sounds. In the world, right, there's different sounds. And none of them without signification, without significance, without distinction. Some, some of you may know different bird calls. That's when I learned when I was, I can't whistle very well right now, my lips are dry. When I was little, I learned that there was a cardinal. So you might know, oh, I hear that bird. And then you might hear, ooh, 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 ooh. So some of you that know the barred owl, it makes a certain kind of sound, kind of sound, and you might be able to know those. They're all different, right? So there's different sounds, none of them without signification. Verse 11, therefore, Paul says, and if I know not the meaning of the voice or the sound, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian. Like, uneducated was the meaning of that. And he that speaks shall be a barbarian to me. You know the expression, it's all Greek to me? I know uh, when I filled in for Jerry teaching Sunday school and I, I gave the example of, of God and his creation as we were looking at Second Peter and um, I think I was thinking of the vastness of outer space and we think of just our galaxy alone. And if you're in math, you have the quadrants, which are used one numerals, one, two, three, and four. I was talking about in the quadrant one, the X and Y coordinates are positive. Now, for some of you may say, well, that's all Greek to me. Uh, I know most of you, if you finished high school or even in the, uh, middle school, you had that math, you just might have forgotten it. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll stop at that point, but I'm just meaning by that example, some things are, in a sense, Greek, unless you know Greek. Um, but that's what he's saying. It, it has no distinction, it has no meaning. It just be like we're, we're uneducated. Verse 12, even so ye, Paul says, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, that he mentioned in chapter, verse 1, 
even though you're desirous, you're desirous, your desire to have them, he said, seek that ye may excel, here it is again, to the edifying of the church. That should be our purpose to come together. As Jerry says all the time, we come to worship the Lord. We come to worship and exalt who he is and what he's done for us. And we are in the process edifying. It's edifying. It's building up. Verse 13. Wherefore, connecting word, let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So if we don't have an interpreter, and I know this is not an issue today that we have people getting up wanting to speak in different languages, but this was an issue. And what is most important? Verse 4, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15. What is it then? Paul says, I'll pray with the spirit and I will pray with understanding. Also, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with understanding also. That makes me think of as, as we do the song service. Sometimes we get in a habit of singing songs. We've sung so much we know the words. Um, and I, I've been guilty of this many times. I'm not really thinking about what I'm singing about. They're just words coming out of my mouth and I'm not thinking about it. But we should always, if we're worshiping him and we're singing these songs of praise to God or songs of being thankful, whatever the hymn is, uh, we need to concentrate on what we're singing. Same thing, a person could open the word of God and just be reading words. They're doing a daily reading and they're just reading and there's no meditation. They're not thinking about what God is saying to us and what he wants us to learn. So Paul says that in verse 14, now verse 15, uh, excuse me, verse 16. Else when you shall bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupies the room, that is everybody else in the room, like here in this church service, of the unlearned say amen as uh, your giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you say. You know, you might be giving thankfulness if it's in a different language and nobody speaks that language. Nobody knows that's what you're doing. Verse 17. For you verily give thanks well. You're doing a good job at doing that. But the others, the other, that is, is not, there it is again, edified. Doesn't help them a bit. Verse 18. I thank my God, Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul was able to do it more than any of them speak in foreign languages and then he says verse 19 yet in the church I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also that's how you edify it's how you build up the teaching Paul says then 10,000 words in an, an unknown tongue again in another language a foreign language Verse 20, brethren, be not children in understanding. Now, what does he mean there? I know most of you know. But in other words, um, there are certain things we should uh, be mature about and certain things not mature. So he says, be not children in understanding. In other words, when a, when a child is little and they don't really comprehend things and understand them, that we get a, lo a little older and we understand God wants us to understand the word. So he's saying, be not children, don't be immature. Be mature in understanding. Now we all know we don't get that through the process of osmosis, so you don't come to church and the word of God just floats into you and you've got it. 
That would be nice, but it doesn't happen that way. We've got to get in the Word. We've got to study. So don't be immature when it comes to understanding God's Word. Howbeit, it means however, in malice, be ye children. I remember the 30 years I taught school in the last 27 were, were elementary school. And the kids are playing on the playground and the little boy come up and say, she said something mean to me. You know, that always happens. Okay, yeah. I said, well, maybe you don't want to play with her for a while. But the kids, they say, okay. And they, then for a few minutes, they're back playing with them. They've forgotten. But we, we, we tend to, as adults, adults, we get into this thing and, and we, we say, that, hey, they hurt me. I somehow want to get them back for that. This is, malice is not just hatred, it's hatred with action. And he said we should be like children with that. You know, just God has forgiven us. We need to forgive each other. Don't act with malice. Be immature about that. In other words, don't act like, uh, um, you know, be like children. Be like children. Then it says, but in understanding, be men. So the opposite at the beginning of the verse, don't be immature in understanding, be adults about understanding. Verse 21, in the law it is written, this is quoted from Isaiah chapter 28, you know that any time in your Bible you see it all caps, it's, it's quoting, Paul's quoting here. In the law it is written, by the way in the Greek this is, it stands written. The reason I like that, it just wasn't written back then and it's no longer appropriate, it still is it still stands what the Word of God said. It stands written, with men of other tongues, other languages, and other lips will I speak to this people. Here's what I want to emphasize, because remember, I had you jump to 22 earlier about the sign. Isaiah's prophesying about the nation of Israel, this people. That's what the sign was for. Remember, Jesus said he came unto his own, and his own received him not. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, Go ye to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The gospel didn't come to us till Israel as a nation rejected Jesus as their Savior. Acts 28, 28 is the dispensational boundary line I know you have memorized. So, it says, To this people, and yet for all that. You see, it was a sign, not just all the miracles, Jesus did all the signs, the disciples did all those things were a sign for them. Yet for all that, will they not hear me, saith the Lord. They didn't listen. All the signs, they ignored them all. Verse 22, wherefore, tongues are for a sign. And that's, by the way, why we don't have that today in the same way it was in the first century. Not to those who believe, that's not what it was for. But to those who believe not. But prophesying, it says on the other hand, prophesying serves not for those who believe not, but for those who believe. We're in the word of God this morning. That's for us because we believe. That's what it's for. You can't build up a lost person. They're not in the church. They're not part of the church. And I'm not talking about the church building. You know that. They're not part of the body of Christ. They're not believers. You don't build up a lost person. That's not possible. Because we're talking about being spiritually built up. Verse 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place 
and all speak with languages. He's supposing this scenario. And there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers. This goes a little bit along with what Jerry was preaching this morning. I sort of think of, you think of in Hebrews, in chapter 2, 3, and 4, and it talks about the, don't follow the same example of unbelief as they did in the wilderness. And it said, because they believed not. They were the children of Israel. It, so what I like to think of it as an example is, I call it unbelieving believers. They believe in the Lord Jesus. We, to be saved, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If we do, we're saved. But as a saved person, we can be rejecting what God is teaching us. Unbelieving believers. So, so let's say they come in. You got one comes in. It says, and so, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers. Will they not say that you're mad, you're crazy? Verse twenty-four. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believes not, or one unlearned, he is the old English word convinced means convicted of all. He is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest and so falling down on his face he'll worship God. That's not a lost person by the way. How can a, why would a lost person fall down to worship God when they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? And report that God is in you of a truth. Okay, so we'll have to stop there today.